Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we welcome back recurring guest Scott Wheeler to talk all about the Senators' prospect pool. In his most recent article in The Athletic, Scott ranked the Ottawa Senators' prospect pool as 31st out of 32nd. And normally, Ross, we like to get mad at lists, but this time we can't get that upset. We'll get into all that with him and more on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 973 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, you can follow the show on social media. We're at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, the show is free and available on all podcast platforms, including on YouTube, where a like, comment, and subscription go a long way to helping the show grow. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 200 bucks in bonus bets if your bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Today is Friday, February 2nd in Pilsy. I already miss Sens hockey. I know. It's been too long. We're 6-2-2 two and two in our last 10. Don't stop the Sens while they're hot. Unfortunately, the NHL had uh, other ideas. And I'm sure there's probably Oilers fans being like, guys, we're on a massive winning streak. We, we don't want it to stop either. I don't think really anyone wants the NHL to take a break here. But the All-Star break, it's good. Gets players. Uh, they can take a mid-season vacation. It's good for the kids. It's good for the sponsors. So... It's fine. It's fine. It's it's fine. We're doing just fine. The Senators finished January with a six, seven, and two record. But then you think yeah. about it, they lost their first five games. So things were looking up. But like they were so busy in the month, right? 15 games in the oh, last yeah. 31 days. 30 really, because they didn't play on on the first. So it was just so such a rhythm we got into postcast, podcast, postcast, podcast, and all the great things that happen in our lives between shows, if you can believe it. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's going to be great to get this rest for the team. We still don't have an update on Jake Sanderson. That's something I don't think will come until next Thursday. Now, with Jake Sanderson's name coming up, though, Pilsy, we have to really preface this conversation with Scott Wheeler under the terms that, well, Jake Sanderson, Ridley Gregg, Shane Pinto, and Tim Stutzla, ever heard of them? Mm. They're all qualified for this based on age. This is the prospect pool as a whole. And we should also note that he has a cutoff of under 23. So Igor Sokolov and Angus Crookshank, although they could still be considered prospects, they do not count in Scott's ranking. Yeah, I think I speak for Scott on this one. I would implore everyone to read the parameters of how he does the prospect pool before you read the list and you get mad. Like, just quickly take a look at uh, what he's dealing with and where he set kind of the, the cap. And and he does mention uh, that he did 
he does kind of have to make some executive decisions on, okay, is this guy graduated to the NHL or is he still kind of back and forth? So there is some discrepancy there, but Ross, we, we read this article before we had Scott on obviously, and maybe you could flip a couple guys here and there, but for the most part, at least in my opinion, he was pretty bang on with uh, the rankings here for the Sens. So we get into that and we've actually got the banner on the bottom that shows what order he ranked these prospects and keep that in mind because next week on Locked On Senators, we're going to do our updated prospect pool rankings. Pilsy, we haven't done this since last May. So we'll pull up last May's and then pull up this one and we'll talk about the guys who have graduated and who ranks where. So all that great conversation is coming up. We go half an hour with Scott Wheeler. So let's get to that right now. You're listening to Locked On Senators, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Guys, FanDuel is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's America's number one sportsbook. Get ready for Super Bowl. If you're like me, Super Bowl, you got to find a good spot on the couch. You got to have your snacks, your refreshments ready, and you got to have your bets in place. You don't want to be scrambling until it's too late. And with FanDuel, there's so many ways for you to end the season with a victory. Not only can you bet on who's simply going to win Super Bowl 58, you got to have that in place. And a key thing, Ross, I don't know if you do this as well, but if you're watching with a group, which most times Super Bowl you are, you gotta at least be riding on the same team. You gotta, you have to have the discussion as a group. All right, who are we riding? And then you mix in a couple prop bets that uh, everybody likes to get hot. And that's how you have to have your squad ready for the Super Bowl. One of my favorite props about the Super Bowl, I actually just went and bet it on FanDuel today the coin toss. Ross, are you a heads or a tails guy on the coin, coin toss? Oh, heads. I'm a tails. Tails never fails. Uh, you got a coin on you right now? I don't. I do. I do. Nice. Okay. okay. Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. Shut up, FanDuel. Yeah, I'm on heads. Oh, there's the two... loon. It's you tails. Have... No. Uh, that looks like there's a head on that side, though. You saying loons don't have heads? <laughs> uh, I don't know if uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, had We don't want to see her not. tail? <laughs> yeah, unconfirmed. But those are all the fun things you can bet on. You can bet on, will Usher debut a new song at halftime? Will yeah, yeah. Quarter... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, will either quarterback catch their own pass at plus 5,000? That's no. a wild one. So don't miss out. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. Let's give it up for the Glebe Central Pub right in the heart of the Glebe, 779 Bank Street. And when you head to the Glebe Central Pub, you're guaranteed good vibes. You're going to get good food. You have awesome drinks. The specials are ridiculous. Go check them out on Instagram, Glebe Central Pub, to check out all the great specials they have and events that are coming up at the Glebe Central Pub. I'm talking live music every Saturday in the month of February. I know February is a dark time. It's a short month, but it's a dark, like not a whole lot of sunlight, but why not add some to your life by going to check out live music every Saturday at the Glebe Central Pub. They've also got the Send Shuttle for only $17 round trip to and from the CTC. You can go to their website, glebecentralpub.com and grab your tickets. Now they also sell game tickets. There's a link for that. 
But if you scroll down, you can go and check out each game. $17 for the game on February 10th against the Leafs, then again on February 15th against the Ducks. So go check it out and then support local, support the pod, and leave your keys at home and let Sue do all the work. She gets you to and from the CTC. You leave an hour and 15 minutes before the game from the pub, and then you get dropped off right back afterwards. It's so easy to go into the game knowing that Sue will be right where she dropped you off when you are done. So go check them out today, guys. The Glebe Central Pub, 779 Bank Street, and let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. All right, we now welcome on a Mount Rushmore guest of Locked On Senators. This is his eighth visit, and it's been three years and three years and four months. Five, six, seven, eight. Yes. That's about as many spots as you move Tim Stutzla up in your redraft. Scott Wheeler is with us from The Athletic. And look, who would have thought that we could have bridged the gap this suddenly? It's been a roller coaster ride with Scott's work with The Athletic. We love the in-depth process that he takes us through with not only the prospect pool rankings, but with his draft coverage. And funny enough, Scott, I was looking back. Your first time on the show was September of 2020. Yeah. During that time. Yeah, but yeah. on that on that note, Scott, we were doing our draft rankings for 2020 then, and we had 47th Tyler Clevin on that same episode that we had you on, and now he's the Senators' top prospect as you put out your reports, 31st out of 32 teams. Before we get into that, though, how are you? You were at World Juniors. You're all over the place, man. What's going on? Yeah, January was a busy month. January is always a crazy month. You've got the World Juniors, you've got the CHL and USHL top prospects game, which this year we're in Moncton and in Plymouth. Uh, so you get back from the World Juniors, you got a couple days at home with the kids. I start immediately turning the page to the pool rankings and building out all the lists, and I've got to send send the ranking to my editor and all of that. Uh, and then it's right into trying to write 32 pieces of content basically for, for the rollout of the pool rankings. Plus I do my mid season list for the, for each draft around this time. So this is just, it's sort of ranking central. I, I, I think I've talked with you guys about it before, but this is kind of a grind. I, I love the, the scouting part of my job. Uh, I love it. Um, but this is, I, I really enjoy the storytelling and getting out into ranks and chatting with people and, getting to know these kids as well. And you don't get to do that. I don't, I don't get to do that in January and February because it's just ranking after ranking after ranking. So looking forward to getting through the pool rankings. There's something I'm very proud of, uh, but looking forward to getting through them so that I can get into the fun stuff, which will be the spring, right? With the Mem Cup, the Frozen Four, U18 Worlds, the Combine. That's that's a lot more fun for me to, to get out there and see these kids play and uh, talk with folks about them and get to know them personally and all that. So the rankings is just uh, a lot of typing and a lot of video and a lot of phone calls to sources and it gets, it takes its toll if you will. So. Yeah, I can imagine doing uh, rankings for all 32 teams. Now you didn't make sense. Fans wait too long in anticipation nope. and suspense. Usually when this starts, uh, Scott sends fans are like, okay, he's got this team here. That means the send should be in this area. And then we start guessing closer and closer as it dwindles down. But the Ottawa Senators, according to Scott Wheeler, are have the 31st ranked prospect pool. My first question is, 
Was there any consideration that they could have been 32nd out of 32nd? Or did you say, you know what? I, I hear it enough from Sens fans. <laughs> the least I'm going to do, I'll bump them up one spot here. Well, well, I, tr- I try not to build my list that way to cater to the, the sensitivities of Sens fans. <laughs> but um, no, there was, uh, it, honestly, there was consideration. I think if you look <laughs> okay. at, the, if you read through the Islanders pool yesterday and you read through the Sens pool, uh, today and you read through the 15 reports for each you you'll probably end up at about the same the same spot it's probably a coin flip between the two groups on the whole if they were to sort of swap them I think you're probably in about the same spot in terms of a lot of sort of b minus guys c plus guys right there there isn't that that sort of premium quality player uh, at the top of their pool I had Cali Odelius who is projects to be a third pairing guy and at the top of uh, at the top of the sense pool, you've got Tyler Clevin, who's probably about the same, right? right. So um, it's, it's, th- those are players, whether it's Kelly Odelius or Matthew Maggio or Simon Holmstrom for the Islanders, who's actually having a good rookie season in the NHL and is a solid penalty killer in the NHL, or it's Tyler Clevin and uh, Stephen Holiday and Oscar Pedersen. And you go down the list, obviously Boucher and now uh, Stapchuk and those guys. They're all guys that you're hoping will play for you. They're not necessarily guys that you're expecting to be impact needle movers, right? So um, it, that's where their pool is at now. They've graduated the needle movers. They've graduated Sanderson and Stutzla and even Ridley Gregg and Shane Pinto. And uh, what's left after, especially after not making a first round pick last year, is is you're you're missing the the premium guys. Like Tyler Clevin would be a five to 10 ranked guy in a, in a good pool. Right. Uh, so they, they're missing those sort of top two or three prospects that most teams around the league have, have in their pools. And that's back to back years without a first round pick. And last year at the draft, we were just twiddling our thumbs waiting, no first, no second, no third. You're just waiting. And then ultimately they take a guy in Hoyt Stanley who they drafted lower than where you had him on mm-hmm. your rankings last year. And I just want to commend you as well. Cause 32, I mean, you talk about it's a bit monotonous and going through and grinding out through the video. I did a quick word count on this one, 4,200 words written on the Senator's prospect yeah, wow. pool in depth. And then Scott's work goes well beyond that. The Shane Pinto analysis you did a couple of years ago where you're really breaking down the intricacies of his game. Heck, the first time we ever had you on the show, Scott, we are talking about a 2017 retrospective that you did on Eric Carlson's playoff run. So mm-hmm. clearly the in-depth knowledge is there for you. And I appreciate that some Sens fans would actually like what you said about Tyler Clevin because you hope he becomes a low event defense first penalty killer who can pair between beside a modern type. And that's been something that's been killing the Senators this year. They don't have those guys who put out fires per se. So I think that that in terms of filling out the roster is what they need because they've got guys in certain positions. You're not looking for necessarily a top line center. You're hoping Stutzel's that and you're hoping guys are already filled in that. So out of the players that you have ranked for Ottawa, who to you has the most certainty of playing NHL games? Because I know that you look a lot more towards the upside of the player when you're doing these rankings. Is there a player where if you're making a bet of who plays the most NHL games that you'd lean towards? I think it's still probably Clevin. I know that's a pretty pretty sort of simple uh, answer after we've already talked about him, but you look further down the list. Is Tyler Boucher going to make it? I think it's anybody's guess at this point. He's shown some positive signs despite the production not being there. I've actually liked a couple of my last recent viewings. I don't know if I just got him on good days, but when I watched Boucher, for example, uh, recently, I thought he was—he looked like himself. He looked involved, finishing his checks, getting open in the slot for a shot, 
working around rebounds. Uh, that's that's all positive, and that's his game. As long as he can keep pace, I think Boucher's got a chance to make it. Uh, obviously, I mean, we don't need to talk about top 10 pick and all that at this point. Uh, he's, he's not going to live up to that. Um, but if he can be a guy that, that he, he could play some games, I think there's still a chance that Zach Ostapchuk could become a good fourth liner in the NHL. Um, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for him. So there are, there are some guys there. I think holidays and we can talk about, I'd like to talk about holiday in depth holidays, maybe the wild card. I think holiday, maybe if he does hit probably has a little bit more upside than, than the guys like Boucher and a stop check that are probably just going to fill in around the edges of a roster. You might get something a little bit more out of holiday. Uh, but in terms of game, if we're talking just get projectable games played, I think Clevin's probably going to play the most uh, the most games. I expect that Clevin will become a uh, an everyday top six guy. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to be playing 20 minutes rather than 17 minutes, but uh, if he can play 15 minutes at even strength and a couple minutes on the PK, that's still a, a useful useful piece considering how big and strong he is and and just the different look that he also gives a, a deep pairing. So uh, yeah, Clevin's probably still my answer there. Yeah, I think most Sens fans would agree with you there, Scott. Uh, now, someone who is likely going to play or at least has already played a decent amount of NHL games that's high on your list as well. Number two, Mad Sogard. Uh, and then you've got Levy Merrill-Linen at six for the Sens. How do you evaluate goalies that have are, are still prospects but have mm-hmm. had at least experience in the NHL? Like, do you... Do you look at that NHL experience and does that kind of give them a, an extra boost that at least they've had a taste of the pros or do you mostly focus on, okay, these are still young goalies. How are they doing up against their peers in, you know, the, the AHLs or, or wherever they're playing? Like what's, I'm just curious how you kind of evaluate between NHLs, maybe o- overachieving or Mad Sogard kind of being there out of necessity versus yeah. where they should be in their development. Yeah, I think in Sogard's case specifically, I'll, I'll get into the general sense, but in Sogard's case specifically, if anything, if you're doing an honest evaluation of his play, you're pr- you're probably uh, sort of devaluing the way that he's played in the NHL. I think it's been a bit of a struggle for him. He hasn't quite looked up to the level yet, uh, so it, it almost becomes a negative. But then you mentioned, and I think you rightly mentioned, that maybe he shouldn't be there at this at sort of at this point in his career. And I think when you're that big. It always takes time. I think the issues that we've seen with him uh, in the NHL have been the issues that we often see with really, really tall goalies, which is shots surprisingly sneaking through, which is not being set for shots because his movement from A to B isn't as smooth and compact. He doesn't stop on his edges quite like some smaller goalies do. Uh, so sort of overplaying lines, pulling himself off of his line because he's so big, I think it can be har- actually harder to find your lines in the net when you're that size. Um, so those are some some real issues that he's run into. But I think when you're that big, you always have to give it time. Like if, if yeah. I, I'd like to see them stick with him until he's 25, 26 years old and then see what you have. Uh, and I know that's that's hard to do if if you're constantly a good goalie in the AHL who doesn't perform well in the NHL. Eventually, coaches like to write those kinds of guys off after years and years and years of the same story. I do think in Sogard's case, there there are some tools there and he's made a lot of progress 
uh, even since he was drafted. I was I was higher on him uh, than where they took him, uh, or about right where they took him uh, when when they picked him. He was one of my. And favorite they traded goalies. up to get him, so they were high on him as well. Yeah, yeah, he was one of my favorite goalies in that draft with Marilyn. And I was at as as we've talked about on the show in the past. I was a little bit at the other end. Uh, love Marilyn's one on one game. His feet. Yeah. He's a tremendous shootout goalie, breakaways, that kind of thing. He sticks with shooters. Really, really mobile and kind of bouncy on his feet. Uh, which makes him great one-on-one. I don't think in terms of uh, the rest of the game that he's he's necessarily going to have the upside that a, a goalie like Sogard could have if Sogard figures it out and puts the pieces together. But in both guys, you're hoping for organizational depth. Like you're hoping, obviously, ideally, that they can be a backup. And if they can't be a backup, that they're they're a solid number three if 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 you need to call on them. That's you're you're not going to get a starter out of either one of those guys. I don't think. Um, and I, I like Sogard to get there eventually. Like I still believe that Sogard's got an opportunity to be a backup in the NHL. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite ready to rule him out, even if it has been uh, a little tough for him in, in the NHL starts that he has gotten. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Scott. We'll get right back to it. But first, a word from our friends with Mary J's. Yes, Mary J's dispensary in Ottawa. Mary J's started off three best friends deciding they wanted to go for their dreams. And they worked hard and they've done it. They now have four stores in the Ottawa area. The Ottawa locations are Riverside South. Orleans, Greeley, and Russell. So if you're in those areas, you know that you've got a Mary J's that can hook you up. Mary J's offers the absolute best and newest products in the market, and they're adding new fun stuff to the menu every single week. So whether you're a rookie and you're looking to try different things, they can help you out there, or you're a grizzled vet and you already know your order and you want to be in and out of there in no time, they got you covered. Mary J's offers competitive pricing. In fact, they will price match any store in Ottawa. No matter where you go in Ottawa, they will price match. So that's guaranteed you're going to get the best price round at Mary J's. And sure, Great products, great prices, that's important, but you got to have good service. And that's what Mary J's does. They got friendly bud tenders who are always ready to assist. In fact, one of the owners, Dashy, diehard Sens fan, absolute beauty. You can usually find him at one of the four locations. So go to one of their stores, say what up to Dashy, talk to him about how hot the Ottawa Senators have been, and ask him about any of the latest, greatest products that Mary J's has to offer. Check it out today, guys. It's Mary J's Dispensary. Now back to our chat with Scott Wheeler. Yeah, it's been tough for him at the NHL level. In the AHL, though, sparkling save percentage, getting wins. So there are some things to build on for Mad Sogard. Now, uh, a couple more from me and one just coming over. It should be noted, not to to pile on the Sens, that the Sens haven't been good in front of any of their goalies this year. Or in lots of years past, since Craig Anderson, really, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, coming over the blue line, Andy's like, oh... Um, so with that said, there is a new member of the North American Ottawa Senators. They've just recalled Oscar Pedersen over from uh, Roglund. Something that you noted in your article, one, there's a great write-up of a quote from his old coach, but they just made a coaching change in Rogla, and maybe that had an impact on bringing him over. I know you've seen him at the World Juniors. He's a guy where if you're just looking at the box score against his peers, dominant goal score against mm-hmm. men struggles where is there somewhere in the middle with Oscar Pedersen what can fans expect to see when he suits up for Belleville well I think what you can expect to see is just a super honest hard-working push and pop kind of player like that's that's his identity he works hard he's competitive he battles for pucks he'll finish his checks 
And then offensively, the game is, has always been a little one dimensional. He's a shooter. He, he he's got a sort of natural shooting mechanics that get off of his stick quickly. Uh, he'll score some goals from the slot, that kind of thing. He'll get to rebounds. He'll be around the net. The, the question with Oscar was always, is that going to be enough? Is he going to be such a good four checker, such a good worker that you can sort of project him into a bottom six, fourth line type of role? Or is it does it, are there some holes there? And by holes, I mean it's not a super aware kid. He doesn't use his – he's not a creative, crafty player. It's a straight line, what you see is what you get kind of game. And I think part of it in terms of Rogla and the, and the, the scoring not yet translating at the SHL is, A, he's, he progressed up quickly. And when you progress up quickly to the pro game, because he has all of those other pro qualities, the work ethic, the skating, gets after it, finishes his checks – then suddenly you end up, you don't end up in a scoring role right away. Whereas if you stay, if he'd stayed in J20 and piled up the points, maybe you get a better, a bit of a different look when you do get your call-ups. But he was playing in a fourth line depth role there. It becomes hard to produce offense. I do think the Abbott twins who were both recently let go, they were twins from Sarnia, Ontario, who were the GM and head coach of that team, brought that team out of hockey, Al Svenskin, which is the second tier in the SHL, turned them for a few years into a huge giant, uh, one of the very best teams in the SHL, developed Moritz Sider and uh, the kid, uh, his name is escaping me right now, the kid out in uh, Vancouver, the winger out in Vancouver, the Swedish winger there. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Hoglander, Nils oh, Hoglander. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they did a really good job. Anyways, they, they, the team took a step back and they were let go recently. And I think part of his decision to come over here was sort of, they're a poor team now in the SHL again, new coaching staff that doesn't necessarily know him all that well, that kind of a thing. I think it made sense for him to come over to the AHL. And then on top of that, his game fits the North American sheet. I, th I think better than it fits the bigger ice surface, uh, just because he is that, that sort of four checking type. That's his identity. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he looks like. Like he's probably going to have to start as a bottom six guy in Belleville and work his way up and prove, prove that he can sort of put the puck in the back of the net and give them some secondary scoring. And then hopefully someday you hope that he can sort of be a fourth line option for them and make the most of an NHL call up. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of player we're talking about. Yeah. We're, uh, we're big fans of Oscar Pedersen and uh, hope that his potential can blossom, especially now that he's in North America. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, final question for me here, Scott is two prospects that sends fans typically kind of put together in our prospect pool is Jorian Donovan and Thomas Shamara. And ironically, mm -hmm. They ended up playing together on a D pair with the Hamilton Bulldogs, short sample size since uh, uh, Jorian Donovan was traded away shortly after. But Brant Brantford Bulldogs. Ooh. Yes, Brantford Bulldogs. Yes, yes. Thank you for the correction there. Michael um, and Laura be proud of you, Scott, for that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Bulldogs have had, it seems like they've had a lot of the names, arena. So I guess sounds like the arena, not to get sidetracked, but sounds like the arena in Hamilton when they're done their renovations is going to be, is going to be sort of a big facelift. So. I, I hope so. That uh, that town definitely can uh, can support a hockey team, hopefully. Um, but with uh, Thomas Shamara, that's a guy that you were really high on when mm -hmm. the Ottawa Senators drafted him. I, I was high on him as well. I, I agreed with a lot of your kind of insight on him. But you've got him down at 14th out of 15th on, on the Sens list here. Mm -hmm. Now, I really thought, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, I thought his third World Juniors, which not a lot of players get to go to three of them, but his third one was a much, much uh, improved performance yep. over his first two. And the trade from Kitchener, you know, when you're a guy like uh, Hamura, 
kind of seems like a, a big time move to try to get a trade orchestrated in the OHL, but it paid dividends for him. He's really turned things around. So my question is, with these two defensemen, Donovan and Hummera, like where has that separation happened that's given Donovan the edge here? Yeah, it's interesting. Specifically on Hamera, I really, I, as you mentioned, liked him as in his U18 season. He was really good at U, really impressive at U18 Worlds, like playing 25, 30 minutes a night for the Czech team at U18 Worlds in Germany. Uh, was a standout in that tournament. Was really good domestically back home. Then he comes over. He's supposed to be a leading guy on a Kitchener team. They are also at, at simultaneously bringing in Brustevich. Yeah. Uh, had a, I remember a, co- a conversation I had with them during training camp of their first year. Brustevich is new. Hamara is new. They're experimenting with both of them on the first power play there in Kitchener. And they had said right away, we think it's Hamara's played better and he's going to start on the power play, but, but it's going to be Brustevich's job eventually. And I think when that happened, you could just see it in the way that he was playing. He became a second power play guy there. He became kind of a second pairing usage. You never want to see a, a, a good prospect playing 16, 17 minutes a night in the OHL. You'd like to see him playing 20 plus minutes a night. And it just kind of got away from him in Kitchener where he wasn't a focal point of the offense or the power play. He isn't a really big sort of big time penalty killer at that level. And suddenly he's just a good, even strength defenseman. And he you, you just want to see him in a bigger role. So now he goes to Brantford. He gets that role. They're in a kind of transitional state where they're unloading after con- contending over the last couple of years. They won an OHL championship in Hamilton before the move to Brantford. They trade away Jorian Donovan, uh, who joined Saginaw, and suddenly there's just opportunity for for Hamara, which is what all all he probably cared about at that point. He was, yeah. I think, he was less concerned with winning in the OHL and more concerned with being on a team where he could play a lot. And he's looked like himself again. When when he was drafted, I thought here's a kid who might become sort of a, a modern style third pairing defenseman. Like not, he's not a bit, he doesn't have the size, not sort of dynamic quality offensively, but he skates well, really smart, makes good decisions on the ice. And then it just sort of got away with, from him. We're starting to see it more now. I'll be interested, interested to see whether they bring him into the fold or just let him sort of test free agency, that kind of a thing. I don't believe they've signed. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe they've signed him yet. No, they did sign him. They right? signed right. They signed him right Bear, away. He was the first guy to get. Okay, well then, he's, then he's, he's going to get an opportunity to play in Belleville. Yeah. Then, so um, yeah, he's kind of at the point in his career. Had he not been signed, where I wonder whether whether they would have signed him, kind of thing. Um, interesting though. No, he's. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to worry about what he is. Like, I, I think he'll be the player in the AHL that I thought he was had a chance to be in the NHL, but I'm not sure if there's enough quality or upside there to ever get to the NHL at this point. Uh, Donovan's an interesting one. Donovan's a kid who I saw play. I, I don't know whether it was sample size bias or what, but I saw him play in his draft year. Some of the worst games that I've seen a player that that age who was kind of viewed to be a mid round pick play. Like he just did not look like a prospect to me. He even including in the CHL top prospects game that year where he was, uh, and other scouts would tell you this, he was brutal. Like he was the worst player on the ice. He got exposed for a few goals and that kind of a thing. Um, but it's, it's sort of slowly come. He's kind of a heavier kid. Like you, you see him and he doesn't really look uh, like an, like a sort of NHL player per se. Like he carries a little bit of weight around and, but he's sort of, he's worked on his fitness and his frame uh, and the rest of his game has sort of come along. And now suddenly he's a kid with good size and he's got good numbers and a decent statistical profile in the OHL. And he's been a big, 
big time minutes guy in the OHL and he's now playing for the Memorial cup hosts. And we're going to get to see him on junior hockey's biggest stage. And he played at the world juniors. I thought the world juniors, his best game was the first one where he was running on adrenaline. And then I thought after that, he actually had a bit of a tough go of it. Um, But the the world juniors were never supposed to be uh, really in the cards for him this year until injuries struck that Canadian world junior team. So uh, an interesting one. I know he had a really good camp. I heard from people in Ottawa that they were really happy with his with his training camp this year, which is positive. Uh, and he now looks like like what you'd sort of hope for out of a kid who was drafted where he was, which is he's gonna he's gonna come in and play in the AHL, and maybe he'll be a guy for you. And uh, I, I don't think you're hoping for anything more than a third pairing guy out of Dor- out of Donovan. But if he can become a guy, that's a a nice story for a team that, in terms of the prospect pool, needs needs a couple of depth guys to emerge from this group. And you talk about fitness. I mean, his old man's a part of the player development program in Ottawa and had yeah. a great NHL career in Sean Donovan, uh, first ever guest on Locked On Senators. But uh, his change of Saginaw has been great. Seven points in nine games, plus 13 playing on a better team. Uh, yeah. So we hope to see more from Jory and Donovan going forward. Uh, Loki can chuck them too. He's been in a few fights where he's got the better of uh, his opposition there. Yeah, he's, uh, five- he's a strong kid. Yeah. Final question for me on the prospect pool, Scott. And uh, I know you mentioned you want to talk about Stephen Halliday, all-time leading scorer for Dubuque in the USHL, goes to college. I know he's a bit older than your freshman. He goes over a point per game this year, doubles down. We call him a disher on this show, loves to get his teammates involved. Uh, I'll tell you the backstory on this one, a little friend of the show talk. Uh, Pills, he was talking about his goal scoring prowess. He goes, because you don't pass the puck a whole lot. And Halliday looked at him like, uh, uh, I had 60 assists last yeah. year. <laughs> I think I can pass the puck. So he's a disher. He's over a point per game now uh, in his sophomore season as well. Like, does this kid have a real shot? I think so. He, I think he was sixth or seventh on my, I don't have my list in front of me. He's sixth or seventh on it, but the kind of kid where I debated sort of three, four, five, I think you, you could reasonably rank him there at this point. He's had a really nice run in college hockey. The, the piece with him is he's a big kid and the, I, I hate, I hate, you guys know this. I hate the term hockey IQ because I don't <laughs> think it actually really tells the, the audience or the reader uh, what you mean, but yeah. that's the, it, there's just something about him and the way he thinks the game and processes the game and reads play, especially offensively, especially as a passer. Uh, it's, it's at a very high level. I've, I know the the management staff uh, in Dubuque really well, and I've picked their brains on him over the years. They speak very highly of both the kid and of yep. that sort of on ice intelligence piece, which can be hard to describe. Uh, but he just, he understands offense and how to make plays and, uh, if at that size, he's also got decent size. Suddenly you've got an interesting player. He does remind me, I think I mentioned this in his report. He reminds me of a kid named Jack Dugan, who was a disher in the true Ascension college hockey, sort of anywhere from 30 to 50 points. Was it well above a point per game? One of the most productive players in college hockey, bigger kid, pass first guy. And he just never, it never really clicked for him in the AHL and ECHL. And he had a tough time making the jump. Like I think he'd hoped and like the golden Knights had probably hoped when they signed him out of college. So I do wonder whether there's a little bit of that. He's not the, he's, Steven's not the fastest kid. The goal scoring's never going to be there. Can you be a pass first complimentary middle six guy? That's that's, that's his, that's gotta be his end game. That's gotta be his goal. And that's gotta be what the hopes uh, or what the sends are hoping for out of him. Um, but the, the, the intelligence is obviously very high end. Like he just gets it offensively with the puck on his stick in terms of reading the ice and finding guys. So, um, can that carry him? Maybe. And, and if, if it does, that would be a a nice boost for, for the Sens. 
Yeah, Stephen Halliday, recurring guest on this show. He's awesome, awesome guy, and uh, and we hope that he's a guy who can step out of college and and at least make waves in Belleville to start and take it from there. Speaking of recurring guests, great guy Scott Wheeler. Make sure you're following him on social media. Scott C. Wheeler, over four thousand words on the Sens prospect pool, and that includes quotes from coaches and scouts alike. So make sure you're subscribed to the Athletic between Scott and Ian Mendez. I mean, it's a Sens fan's dream to get all that. One of the other things Scott brought out was the 2024 midseason ranking. So stay tuned next week on Locked On Senators. We're going to get into that with him. Now, maybe a little preview, Scott. Final, final, final question is, is there one position that the Senators should focus on in this upcoming draft? Or is it just BPA and away you go? Yeah, I, I think they, it would be incumbent on them if if they're in that sort of top 10 range where I think at this point we expect them to to land. There are six legit defensemen in this draft. Uh, 12, I, I really have a top 12 in this draft and a, and a clear six. I think you've got to go, if, if you're the Sens, you've got to look very closely at those 60 uh, and sort of consider that as as your route. They've, they've got an established core with... Kachuk and Stutzla and Norris and Batherson and Greg's joined that group. Pinto's joined that group. Uh, I know Sanderson's obviously a huge piece of the puzzle and they've got decisions to make on Jacob Chikrin and uh, what they're going to do with their D moving forward. But if they could add another piece of the quality of Sanderson, I think there is a couple in this draft uh, that would, that, that could really move the needle for them over the next few years. Well, we'll discuss that next week. Stay tuned for that. Scott, appreciate your time as always and uh, keep up the great work on The Athletic. Even though we are locked on Senators, we're so invested in what you're doing there. We're reading all 32 of those and we'd appreciate if everyone else would go to The Athletic and uh, support their great journalism there. So thanks for doing this, Scott. Thanks, guys. First, a shout out to Scott Wheeler. This guy's tireless work ethic, enough so that he's going to join us again next week to talk about the 2024 NHL draft. Pilsy, give us a little hint. Will we feel better knowing that the Senators are going to add two first round picks, at least out of the players that we discussed with Scott? Yeah, absolutely. You'll feel better. And uh, quick, I just want to echo your statement. Scott Wheeler, absolute legend when it comes to scouting. All of his work at The Athletic is must-read stuff. I love, the, especially when he dives in on certain prospects and you get to kind of see the backstory of their upbringing and their journey. And you, he talks to the families and stuff like that. That's always fascinating for me. So make sure if you're not already with The Athletic, Ross, you're going to want to sign up for The Athletic because... Not only do you get to read the great works of Scott Wheeler, but you cannot be missing Ian Mendez's articles. So we're going to have Scott Wheeler back on the show next week and Ian Mendez on the show next week. So it's a big time athletic uh, locked on senators podcast uh, combo here. We love to see it. Well, as we're getting on the Peloton, you and I, it's it's an athletic week for us overall. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So any final thoughts as we head into the weekend? Uh, full disclosure, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. So if there has been an update on Jake Sanderson, we will get you that information on Twitter at Send Central. Like I said off the top, doubt it's going to come before next Thursday. Hopefully he's just on the ice, no worse for wear, and we can uh, exhale deep breath knowing that the Senator's best overall defenseman is ready to rock and roll. If you missed any of our content this week, you can check that out on YouTube. We also just put out a fun Patreon video, Patreon, just $5 a month. You can go check that out. We did an all-star style draft, but just with Ottawa senators with a little 
wrinkle in there as well. Um, wherever Brady Kachuk got drafted at last night's draft, it was too low. Agreed. Yeah, should have <laughs> went 1-1. One, one. Uh, although I am, this is back to the future here. I, I'm going to say the Quinn uh, or the Hughes are going to draft Brady Kachuk. So let it be known. And it, when it happens, credit to me. Okay. Um, final, final thoughts for me, Ross, is to get my itch of Senators hockey. I'm going to try to dial into Belleville this weekend. Uh, sure, the Ottawa Senators are off, but Belleville is playing on Friday and tonight. Saturday. In Yes, tonight in Syracuse, both of those games. So I'm going to be tuning into those to cheer on our guy, Mads. I hope that he can get uh, some of his confidence back uh, down in Belleville. And, uh, and Pistol Pete. And yeah, Oscar Pedersen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he gets into both of these games. I'm hoping he gets into at least one. We haven't heard any confirmation about that. But yeah, having friends of the show on in Belleville. And I mean, you got, well, yeah, Crooker, Igor. Igor so many guys to to watch down there. Tyler K-train. Boucher. K-train. Yeah, so I haven't been able to watch Belleville as much this year as I usually do. So I'm going to try to tune in for those games. Okay, we'll follow Brandon Pillar 1 and at Send Central. We'll get you our thoughts on those games as they develop. It's Belleville's final two games before the All-Star break as well, where Angus Crookshank and Max Gannett will be representing the B-Sends in San Jose. Talk about a one-up on the NHL. The AHL All-Stars get to go to San Jose in the middle of February, and the NHLers get to go gray and muggy Toronto. Yeah. Do you think Oliver Bjorkstrand would have been stoked if he got told you're going to San Jose? I mean, he was going to San Diego, so it's San Jose. That's not far off. Maybe he wishes he was an AHL All-Star. One's as far north in California, and one's as far south, just for the one person that's going to get on you for that. I mean, same state. If we're talking Toronto to San Jose, yeah, I'll say San Diego much closer. It's just like Thunder Bay and Toronto. It's all Ontario. It's all the same thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. For, for Americans that are like, yeah, Thunder Bay, Toronto, same thing. Oh, uh, I love it, man. Another week of laughs. Senators 6-2-2 two two obviously gets our, our vibes a little bit higher. And Scott Wheeler, thank you to him for the breakdown. Even though it's not what we wanted to hear, it's what we had to hear at this point in time. But for more, again, check us out on social media. We'll be back for a full next week. Despite no sense hockey, we are your team every day. We take that to heart here on LOSP. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been another edition of the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.